Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today, we begin the book of Joshua. Today's readings are Joshua chapters 1 through 4. Rabbit Trails Introduction The book of Joshua was written by Joshua, and the events in this book take place over a course of about 25 years. This book details the culmination of Israel's journey to the Promised Land. What's in a name? Numbers 13.16 records that Joshua's name was originally Hosea, but Moses changed it to Joshua. Now, Joshua is a very important and prophetic name, so let me give you a little background on it. In English, the name was changed from Hosea to Joshua. In Hebrew, the name was changed from Hosea to Yehoshua. Now, Hosea means he saves, and Yehoshua means Yahweh saves. This name is important in the revealing of Joshua's life and purpose, but it goes on to become even more important to us. You see, Joshua shares a name with our Messiah. Yeshua, the name Jesus would have been called in his lifetime, is simply a shortened version of Yehoshua. In fact, when our Messiah was named, it makes more sense if we go back to the Hebrew to see the meaning of one sentence in particular. Matthew one twenty one reads, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, if we go back and input the original meaning of the name, we can read this sentence as, You shall call his name Yahweh saves, because he will save his people from their sins. See, now that sentence makes more sense. The because has no relation to the previous part of the sentence until you know what the name it was referencing means. So, Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, Yehoshua, all versions of the same name, and that means Yahweh saves. And He sure does. The tribes that chose to settle outside of the promised land. The tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh chose to settle just outside of the Promised Land. This land ended up being the staging ground for the attack on Canaan, and so Moses and Yahweh permitted them to remain there as they had requested. The condition was that if they stayed there, their soldiers had to fight with the rest of Israel when called upon. They proved to be admirably faithful in this. Side note. I wonder how many of us, when following after Yahweh most of our lives or for large chunks of our lives, choose to settle for something just outside of the promised land, when the promised land is so near and so attainable. Yahweh permits it, but there was more He wanted to give us. Joshua Sending Spies Some parallels are naturally drawn between Joshua sending spies to scope out Canaan and the scouts Moses allowed to do the same all those years earlier. However, there is a distinct difference between these two acts. A generation earlier, the scouts went because the Israelites were concerned that they could not conquer the land, and they were fearful. 
So they sent spies for either reassurance or to put the brakes on what they felt was an unwinnable endeavor. Joshua, on the other hand, is sending spies to help work out the best battle strategy. He has no thought to not invading, but is just coming up with the best strategic way to do so. How did they know that they were spies? Interesting note. The king of Jericho was obviously at the ready, anxious and waiting on the attack by Israel. Now, keep in mind that Israel consists of over 3 million people, and they were camping somewhere nearby. 3 million people who had openly stated that their promised land was the land of Canaan. Jericho is a large city within the land of Canaan. Now, you can't really hide 3 million folks. A new way of being led. Joshua 3, verses 3 through 6. Up until now, Israel had been led by the cloud and the fire of Yahweh, but this is changing. They will now be led by the ark. And so Joshua explains this and sends his men to explain it to the rest of Israel. The story of Rahab. Yahweh is showing us yet again that though a people may be condemned through their own actions, he always makes a way for the individual to step away from the condemned people and turn to him. Let us read some of what is said about Rahab later in the Bible. Hebrews 11.31 says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And James 2.25 reads, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? This pattern of a person stepping apart from their people and joining themselves to the people of Yahweh will be repeated through Rahab's son, Boaz, who takes Ruth, a Moabite woman, as his wife. Recall that Ruth made the choice to join herself to Yahweh's people. Ruth one sixteen reads, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you will go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Boaz, son of Rahab, has compassion on Ruth and generously makes her his own. A pattern repeated by the Father many times throughout history and continuing today. Note, some Hebrew scholars do not believe that Rahab was a prostitute. The Hebrew word used for prostitute was sometimes used for innkeeper as well, and the text clearly says this was her house, her property. It could be that she was an innkeeper and a prostitute, or, as I suggested, simply an innkeeper. Personally, I think it is important to know that the truth of Rahab may have been lost or twisted, either in translation, doctrinal desire to skew the role of women in the Bible, both, or something else entirely. Or it could simply be, as it states in today's Bibles, but it would have been very uncommon for a mere prostitute to own such a property. Now, since this is not a salvation issue, I'm comfortable mentioning this as a rabbit trail that some may like to chase by doing further research. You can start at Wikipedia by clicking this link in my notes. In Joshua 4, we see the waters of the Jordan parted during the season in which the waters were fullest. See Joshua 3.15. This is another act of grace from Yahweh, reminding them of who he was.
This passage has a lot more clarity when you read it in the CJB. You can click this link in my notes to do so on Bible Gateway. Tomorrow, we will see Israel celebrate Passover in the Promised Land. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.